artist are you? Um, I focus mainly on painting. So I guess I'd say I'm a painter, but overall I'm a visual artist. Nice. What, what does that mean? So to me, what that means is that I use visuals to express something, connect um, in, in many ways, because I do commercial artwork as well as my own work that I just make, you know, kind of more from my heart. Um, but whatever it is, it's always conveying a message. Nice. Nice. So what is something that you created that you're most proud of or your most, uh, proud moment in your career? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think there's probably two that I'm really proud of. Um, not that I'm not proud of other things, but one of my more recent projects was a job working with a musician and creating album art for him. And I think it just came out really wonderfully. And it was a really good collaboration with him. Um, I am really passionate about music as well. And I love doing album artwork and I've done a bit, you know, and I'm hoping to do more um, as I go throughout my career. But I think with music, there's always something I can see when I hear it. So I really love to put the visual to that. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other is a project I actually did right when I was getting out of college and it was an installation. Um, and I, I studied communication design, graphic design and visual art. So I studied a lot more about design, which is really important. It really plays into my art practice. And at the time I had designed my own typeface. So that's like a font essentially. And I used that to create an installation. Um, and with, and I guess I can describe that. I used fishing line, which basically ends up looking transparent. So you can't really see it. And I suspended the letters in the air um, using the, the phrase words become. And the, the piece was called semantic satiation, which is a term in psychology when you repeat something over and over again, um, if you ever had a word that you just repeated over and over again, and all of a sudden your brain is like, what does that even mean? It, it just feels really weird. That's semantic satiation. And it just kind of made that concept made me think about words and how arbitrary they are. And in a way, how words are really just made up and we ascribe the meaning to it. And so that was kind of the concept behind my project. Um, and I hung it saying words become, and it was repeating over and over until it kind of became like jumbled. And that was kind of like a visual representation of that concept. But um, if I could show you the visual, it's really cool because it was, it's an installation. So it's really taking up the 3D space. You know, these, these letters are like hanging, it's like life size and you can really like walk into it. Um, and that one took a lot of work. You know, I built a frame for it to put on the ceiling to hang the letters from um and then obviously like i i had designed letters i had them laser cut and i suspended them um but yeah just to finish up on that question i i haven't done much installation work since then and i would love to do more um hopefully in the future but yeah i love that just because it it really brings people into the work where it's like tactile yeah, and uh, I noticed that you're a fan of Curry's the Cowardly Dog. Is that correct? 
I am, but when was that? When when did you notice that? Of course. <laughs> like, I'm not going to have somebody on my show and not do my research. Like, come on. But uh, I find that funny. To me, I think Curse the Cowardly Dog is, like, one of the best shows of our uh, best cartoons of our generation. It's funny because my uh, mom is like extremely Christian and it's hard for me to watch shows with her sometimes. So I usually take the childhood shows that I used to watch, like That's So Raven or Victorious or Hannah Montana and watch with her. But one of the shows that I love to watch with her is Courage and Cowardly Dog. That was like like seeing life through a dog's eyes was definitely one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I love that show. Um, I think it's the music, it's also the visuals. So going back to my visual background, it's like the the way that they did the illustrations and the animation. It's very creepy and kind of it just it gives you a feeling, and I think that's what art's about too. It's not when I say conveying a message, I also mean like something subconscious something that you can feel but you can't quite put into words and that's why you create a visual for it yeah now uh i was uh, there's a youtube video and this guy he literally breaks down what makes like different shows from our childhood good and i find it funny that you brought up the, the show his points was number one the show was very unpredictable um like the uh episode where there was like a killer shadow you know it went from the shadow trying to kill muriel and eustace to courage being his counselor you know it was a very unpredictable show and another thing the visuals didn't add up and that's what made it more creepy things fell out of place like the uh uh, Ramsey's curse, you know, the return to slab or something. Yeah. That's not, you know, I that episode a few months ago. Yes, I, I know that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually different, his background, you know what I mean? So, things like that, yes. the fact that the visuals did not always add up made it 10 times more creepy. So, I would say it's kind of like if you've ever seen like a collage they do that at times in the show where it's almost a collage style. So they'll have something almost photographed juxtaposed with something illustrated. And so, yeah, that gives you more of an off kilter feel definitely gives you a creepy feel. Yeah. That's definitely something I liked about the show. It's actually funny. My dad loves the show. So me, him and my sister would watch it um, growing up. So I've had a different experience with that. Um, and my dad always liked cartoons and I still love cartoons. Cartoons are my favorite shows. And I think eventually I'd like to get towards animating more. Although I, I think I'm going to do stop motion, probably claymation. Um, and that's kind of something I've been working on. So hopefully, um, in the near future, I'll share something like that. Yeah. I've been working on a few projects myself. I never thought about getting into animation, but I think that would be, you know, cool. If you ever need a voice actor, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, you have a really nice voice, so that could definitely work out. Thanks. I'll definitely keep it in mind. Yeah. Now, what inspires you as an artist? So interesting. Okay. So, like, I, and I don't know how you can relate to this because I know you're a creative as well. And I, I think you have a theater background. Is that correct? Yeah, I do theater, dancing, act, write music to write shows. You know, I'm all over the place. Centered. Kind of performing centered in a way. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, no, I totally respect that. Um, for me, you know, and this is why I'm saying, I'm sure you can relate to it. I started creating when I was a kid and it wasn't really, there wasn't really a thought to it. It's funny because I actually messaged him recently, but my art teacher from elementary school was a huge inspiration to me when I got started drawing and, and really got passionate about it, which was honestly back then. And maybe even before that, it was just kind of something I was always doing. Um, but he was a huge influence because his wall was peppered with different prints of artwork, historical artwork. You know, he had Picasso, he had Monet. And my favorite print was Salvador Dali. It's a piece called Sleep, which is this head that's suspended. And it, again, it gave me kind of that creepy feel. And a lot of his work does, and it deals with the subconscious. And it's, it's very, um, there was something about it as a child, which, you know, at that time, I'm very unassuming. I'm just kind of taking in information. And then when I'm taking that in, I'm just like processing it as naturally as possible without as much projected from the world onto me. And when I took in that piece, I just loved it. You know, and I just, I, I used to go to the library a lot. I always had a library card as a kid and I used to get his books, Salvador Valley's books. I used to look at the artwork and I used to try to draw stuff similar to it as a kid. And so I think like that was a huge part of my inspiration. Just, I have to think like, where does this start? And I'm sure you can think about that with your own um, experience as a creator yourself or as a performer, like that moment really yeah. starts. Like that was honestly where it started there. And I had an aunt professional artists. Um, and I don't know, I just always liked making things with my hands. And like, I liked the process of like having a blank sheet and like transforming that. So maybe transformation as well. Um, so that's kind of what keeps me going and what inspires me. But there's so many things like everything, you know, nature, people, experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, where were you the moment you decided, okay, I want to be an artist. This is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Where were you? Describe that moment to me. I, I have a, such a clear memory of this moment. So I was sitting at my mother's dining room table and I was actually doing an assignment. And this is so like, it's not romantic. It's not poetic, but it's meditative. And it's something that connects with my soul and who I am. I was just doing a still life, just fruit. It was for an art class. And that was when um, I had a really big jump in my skill level. And I remember um, seeing myself and being like, oh my God, I can do this. I can make this look like this. I can, and I don't know if you, ha you can relate to that as well, but have you had that moment where you, you saw your ability, you saw your skill in something? Yeah, well, see, actually the thing about me, I always like I cannot remember the time where I didn't want to act or entertain even when I was a kid worshiping Barney I would like point to the you know tv screen mom I want to play with Barney I want to be one of those kids I want to do that so for me it's like been an always type of thing you know definitely definitely yeah I yeah. feel that too but then I, I have to say so for my background my upbringing I was brought up in a suburban area um, and I've experienced so many different, um, it, I don't know, walks of life in different things. Like I've had, and I'm grateful for that. I've had so many different perspectives in my life at this point, but growing up, I grew up in a suburb. And the thing about that place is it's a place where 
almost like I could say like people's dreams go to die at times because the idea is to just stay with the status quo and stay with what's safe. People don't do something that's a little bit more uncertain. People do things that are a doctor, a lawyer, a pharmacist. And so when I was younger, like the time where I was like looking at Salvador Dali, all this stuff, I knew in my heart, yes, I want to be an artist. I knew it even before that. Like, I remember I used to play the game of life and I used to take it so seriously. And I always wanted to get the card that was like artists. Like I just wanted that for me. Like, cause I was like, this is what I want. And like, I was even ascribing meaning to like this little board game. But the thing, the reason that I answer this question and say it was in high school when I was at my mother's dining room table is because it wasn't just knowing that I wanted to do it. It was actually experiencing this flow state that I had not completely experienced in the way that I did, which was like, I was doing the still life. And I got so into it and I thought it was one hour and I looked at the clock and it was six hours later. And I had just had, I had done the still life and finished it. And it just changed the concept of time for me where like I lost track of time in a way. And I had always loved drawing and I was always spending a lot of time doing it, but I never really reached that flow state until that moment. And that was when I knew this is more about just my ego or wanting to do something or admiring it. This is about something where like, it really does connect with me. It's good. It feeds my soul. Like not only does it, not only is it something where I enjoy the products and the fruits of the labor, but the actual process is something that I connect with on a deeper level. And that was when I felt like very certain, like, even if I had any kind of like temptation, Oh, you should be a nurse or you should be a doctor or whatever. I was like, no, I want to be an artist because this is, this is the thing that brings me joy. And so that's kind of my story on that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a cool story, man. Like I definitely agree, you know, and can relate to that. Now I want to get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Give me your top three favorite TV shows of all time. Hmm. Let's see. I've never really put this together as a list, but give me a second to think. Um, probably if it comes down to it and it's like, just what shows am I going to watch? And what do I want to watch? I love Hey Arnold. That's probably my favorite show. It's probably my favorite TV show. I love that show. Um, I love Adventure Time. <laughs> and I love Nickelodeon's Avatar. Those are like literally probably my three favorite shows if I had to choose. Um, did, you, uh, did you hear uh, um, Netflix is creating a new Avatar with the original writers? I heard something about it and I wanted to look more into it, but that's super awesome. Yeah. Well, unfortunately the original writers left earlier this week and I'm like, Ooh, that's not a good sign. Oh. But, the anime, but, but, but I mean, the anime curse has been lifted. So uh, my friend, uh, she actually worked on the movie. I forget which one uh, it was. Uh, oh, no. I think Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, have you seen Alita uh, Battle Angel? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, well, it was like the first anime movie uh, adaptation that didn't suck. So everybody's like, yay, the anime curse is finally lifted, which I don't necessarily think so because it's an anime, but it's very Americanized. Yeah. You know, it's definitely... like... Yes, I agree. 
Yeah, like let's see them do your name, and then we'll we'll say if the curse has been lifted or not. But um, yeah, it's a, definitely a bad. I'm I'm nervous for it, man. I mean, I'm glad to see it's coming back, but I'm nervous for it. Yeah, I honestly, after they did the live action movie, which was so bad, I will never trust them. Yeah, and, and it's funny because M. Night Shyamalan did that for his daughter, so I bet that was like an awkward car ride. Like, so honey, did you like to shut up? You know. His daughter had to not... The thing that I felt when I saw the movie, I was like, has he watched the show? And see, that's I the thing. Like he, 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 had never, he had never seen it before. He just did it because his daughter likes the show. The thing is, I'm sure, like, thinking about the show itself, if he literally set aside a month, you're putting so many, so much money into something. You should be doing your research, which includes just watching the show. It's not even that crazy. But, yeah, you could tell he wasn't informed on the movie, and it just was terrible. It was so bad. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, top three movies of all time. Hmm. See, this is so funny. I want to tell you this. I don't have a television in my house. I'm not, I'm really not like, not to say I don't love movies, but no, I can give you my top three movies. Okay. Um, Fantastic Planet is my number one movie. Mm -hmm. And that, have you seen that no, film before? Never. No. So that's an animated film from the seventies and it is I think it was French in origin. Um, it's just so good and beautiful. And that was is something that really inspires me for sure to animate. And the storyline is something that's like kind of about humanity and really like something that just reached me or touched me. So that would probably be um, my number one favorite movie. And then what else can I say that I really, because the thing is there's so many movies I like, but it's like, I don't know. I've never really tried to think favorite just seems so um extreme almost to me like there's so many things i like but like it's hard for me to choose a favorite um maybe the matrix that would be another one that's just a classic um and then mm, there's a movie i watched recently i feel that made it into my top three which i would say is um it's I forgot the name, their actual name. It's in French, so I don't really know how to pronounce it, but it's called The Hate. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen that, I definitely recommend watching it. It's very, like, relevant to the time. So, and I really like that. For me, I'll tell you this. I like, when it comes to movies and films, I really like things that have a message, and I like something that makes me think. Mm -hmm. growing up my mom she liked to watch yeah. like the bachelor and all these different like she liked to watch things to me that are or she likes rom-com stuff like that and like to me when i see that it's just even hollywood blockbusters you know there are, there are some that i really liked um i think the last one i probably saw was the black panther which shows that i don't really go, go to the movies that much but like and i really liked that film that movie but it's like certain movies it's just like they always have the predictable plot line and and I just like things that make me think and that are just a little bit different, that are unpredictable. So that's kind of Yeah, like, so you like movies like, have you seen Sucker Punch? I haven't, but I've heard of it and I would like to see it. 
All right, well, you have homework. After this podcast, I want you to go watch Sucker Punch. And you might have to watch it more than once because it's definitely one of those movies. Like, it took me three years just to understand the uh, meaning of that movie and to, like, fully grasp it. Um, Another movie like that is Midsommar. Uh, a lot of people don't like it, but that's because they've only seen it uh-huh. once. And yeah, it's not what it seems like. Um, another movie is good. It's called The Witch. And that's another one. Or like, uh, what's that movie with, um, uh, gosh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I like that Island. movie. So you that know. director's movies, um, I'm trying to think of his name. I love his, he has a formula kind of, but I do like it. Um, that's a, that he makes kind of blockbuster type movies, but he does it in a certain way. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Let me uh, fact check real quick. But yeah, um, Shutter Island is definitely one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Uh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, for sure. He definitely, he'll have... He'll have a certain format to his films, but he definitely, he definitely will kind of keep you guessing about certain things, and that's what I like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another movie that reminds me of that yeah. is Inception, and the guy who yeah. wrote that, I can't think of, or the directed that, I can't think of his name. He has a lot of films that are also kind of in that realm that I really like. Um, and he's someone, if I was writing something, like, maybe even for an animation or something, I would probably, like, possibly, you know, take inspiration from that because he kind of doesn't do a linear yeah. format. And I think that makes you really, like, it keeps you guessing. Yeah, and his name is Christopher Nolan. I loved what he did to the Batman series. Like, he really took it and, like, made it somewhat more realistic than it actually is so i love his anti-comic book approach he did to that definitely yes um who who are your top three actors of all time see this is so funny i feel like you could ask me who are my top three favorite artists like visual artists or something but actors that's like i don't really ah i guess if i just had to say like what comes to mind who are the people that i've liked um i've always liked um that I can't like it's so funny I can't even think of his name oh Jack Nicholson I've always liked him a lot um and then who else do I like a lot um that oh you know I just saw that movie sorry to bother you I really liked that um I think the main character's name is like Keith Stanfield I think I, yeah, that's him. He's an I, amazing actor. He actually wants to be the first black Joker. Yeah, he would do amazing. He's definitely one of my favorites, I would say. Um, and I loved his performance in that. Um, and then who else? I feel like there's probably a woman that I really like too, but I can't really think of who. <sighs> I don't know. I would. I feel like yeah. I would have to sit there and really like reflect on films and movies I've seen and like think about it. And I will say this as a female. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing about a lot of films and stuff. 
women really aren't always given the full dimension as characters. But actually, you know what? I'll put somebody that I actually know. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Glow on Netflix. So my god sister's cousin, Brittany, is one of the actresses in that. And her screen name is Britt Barron. And she's, and I grew up with her. You know, we didn't, I was. You grew up, hold on, you grew up with Britt Barron? That's awesome. I mean, I'm, I just would see her at my god sister's house. You know, like she lived, her family lived out of state from where my family lived. But I would, she would be there on like certain family vacations and stuff. But what I'll say about her, you know. Um, is even when I'd known her when I was younger, she was just always funny. And I watching the show, she just did a really great performance. And like, I really love kind of like these subtle, like comic comedic aspects she'll bring. Um, I still haven't watched the second season of the show actually. So I definitely want to watch that, but yeah, I, I would put her in my favorite list and I want to see what she does, you know, and she's someone I've known personally. So I would definitely say I want to put her on my list. Yeah. Now, who are your influences when you make art? Who are the people that influences you? Huh. You know, when it comes down to it, it's not necessarily artists. But if I had to pick a few visual artists that have had an influence over my lifetime, um, I would say... Just give me... Just okay, give me I would say probably Dali and Mobius. Now, you said that not many artists influence you, so who influences you? Or who can we see in your art when you do it? So it's not necessarily about, like, a specific person, but it's more about, like, who influences me. Like, And this is something that I'm really developing right now. A lot of my work at this point doesn't show it, but stuff that I will share the stuff that I am going to share with, but I think it's more like when you say who influences me, it's just like society on a whole, like different actors. And when I say actors, I don't mean literal actors, but I mean someone like Trump or different. It's like those things influence me to want to create, because I think there things need to be said about this stuff. So that's honestly more of an influence than other artists almost at this point. People mm-hmm. and um, events that are going on around us, and trying to make sense of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what's your top three favorite songs of all time? Hmm. So this is interesting because I love music, and music is like a really a big thing for me. It's so hard for me to choose top three favorite songs. I will say the first one that comes to mind is. Um, I don't know if it's a specific song, but just Nye Palm. She's a singer from Hiatus Coyote. Her last album, her own solo album, um, they, she had a song on that called Atoll, A-T-O-L-L. I really love that song. So I'd say that's one of my favorite songs. Um, I probably have to throw a Stevie Wonder song on there. Inner Visions, I would say that's another one of my favorite songs. Um, mm-hmm. I like the songs he did for uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. The one with uh, Jonathan, the one that uh, was in Home Improvement, and he was also the original voice for uh, Baby Simba. Yeah, Baby Simba. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'm a huge fan of him. I've actually seen him live. So 
Um, but then I guess I would have to put um, All Falls Down by Kanye on there. Cause that was like a childhood song that, and I had all of his albums growing up. Like I had college dropout, re-registration, but yeah, music that, I mean, if I'm saying top three, that's probably not even scratching the surface. Cause there's just so much music I love and listen to from different genres. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Now, um, do you sing? I do. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. If you could, if you could collaborate with any three artists, give me three singers and three rappers. Who would they be? Huh. Okay. I would collaborate with Sybil uh, Bayer, who's actually like someone that I recently found, my boyfriend found actually, and showed me. And he's actually a musician. He's pretty awesome. But um, she's someone I recently found, and I love what she does. It's kind of folk. Um, it was actually made a while ago and it was made when she was like 16. Um, it kind of flew under the radar, but I'd love to collaborate with her if I could. Um, also I'll bring Nye Palm again. I would love to collaborate with her if I had a chance. I absolutely love her. Um, yeah. And then honestly, when it comes down to it, I just love, and it's not even something a dream. I love to collaborate with my boyfriend and like, that is like an actual collaboration for sure. Um, but definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. All right. Three rappers go. Um, West Side Gun, <laughs> which is hilarious. I don't know how that collaboration would work, but um, Rhapsody and Kendrick, just because he's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see you do something with Kanye. Not Kanye right now, but like old school Kanye. Yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. Yeah. I could take him in more of a, because I know he was really influenced by Lauryn Hill. Actually, yeah. see, this is why it's like, I think like I'm like, one of her songs would have to be one of my favorites. So it's like, it's so hard for me to choose, but All Falls Down yeah. was definitely like, he was trying to sample her. She blocked the sample. And then he had Selena Johnson sing the song, sing the All Falls Down part instead. But I know that Kanye was super into that folk vibe that Lauren did on her Unplugged album. Yeah. And I feel like if I ever collaborated with a rapper or something, it would be like that vibe. Can you uh, sing All Falls Down for me? Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to sing right now. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little shy about that. So you know what? I'll, when I record something, I'll send it to you. <laughs> Oh, uh, come on. That's no fun. Yeah, I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna hold true on that one. But I appreciate you asking, but... All right. Well, I'll just take your word for it that you can sing. How about that? I, you have a beautiful voice, so I'm pretty sure you can. Thank you. You know what? If you want... Yeah, I, I'll send you a song when I record it, because I've been working on one. So then you can... Yeah, but yeah but then my guests wouldn't be able to hear it so i mean i would feel i would feel guilty i mean i will definitely send it but like the, but the people won't hear you know the people want to hear you sing you know yeah that that's the thing about singing it's like um it's definitely been a uh a very vulnerable place for me so i'm still getting comfortable with it 
Well, I'm sure you're amazing. So you definitely should get comfortable with it and share it with the world. A lot of people that I bring on the show that are shy to sing, they end up being the best singers. They're like, oh, I don't want to. Then they literally kill it. Then they're like, was that good? And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, was that good? You know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, Let's see. I asked you what your top three singers were, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you could open up for any artist, who would it be? Interesting. I guess probably... I mean, it would be crazy to open up for Lauren Hill, but I don't think she would have. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she's doing anything right now. But Try again. <laughs> I would do Hiatus Coyote for sure. I love them. Mm. And now, yeah. Go, go ahead. Now, do you write music at all? Do you write? Yeah, I do. Um, And my method of writing music, writing songs is very much dependent on my ear. I did play the flute for seven years, so I had some musical background. Um, but, you know, I've been learning the guitar. I wouldn't say I'm proficient, but I'm good enough to write music with it because I can use my ear. Um, I can just get chord shapes and different things. But, yeah, I think I don't know what it is. Music definitely comes to me, though, for sure. And I think it does for a lot of people. They may just be aware of it. Now, let me ask you this. A lot of people like to go to coffee shops or go to small spaces. Like Alyssa Carr was giving an interview and she said she likes to go in the closets or like Ariana Grande will like sit in her bathtub and write or some people get high or drunk and write. Um, what's your method? What's your writing process like? So this is twofold because outside of music, I am just a poet and I write poetry, but and with that, it's usually emotional and it really just comes to me. You know, it comes right to me. And um, it's not a lot of times when I'm writing, it's just like it almost is like something was sent to me. And I'm like, I grab my phone and I just write, you know, I write. But then with songs, a lot of times in my process, I will create a chord progression. A lot of times I'll just kind of like think about some chords I like. I might even look at a song Um it's funny, I actually took some chords from this Biggie song recently, and I used that to write a song. But it's like, I'll take different chords um, just for inspiration, and then I'll rearrange those. You know, I'll arrange it the way I really want it. I'll create a rhythm that I really want. And then the, the words will just come. The words from that will just come. And I think it's a very organic process for me. Yeah. Now, uh, if you're a fan of Biggie, have you ever heard of Chica? No, I haven't. What is that? Or who is that? Oh, my God. I am about to crush your whole day. Okay. So, basically, Chica is, if Biggie had a lesbian daughter, it would be Chica. Like, she has the same flow. There's a very poetic flow about her. Like, she's a horribly underrated female rapper. I highly suggest you check her out. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely look into her. Um, yeah, and, and there's like so many underrated female rappers. Like there's Queen Herbie, there's uh, Lady Leisure, 
with her Queen Speech videos. There's Tierra Wack. I love Tierra. Who is like, okay, she's one of my favorite artists. Yeah. Yeah, she's like a modern day Missy Elliott. Like her range of visuals are like out of this world. She um, dream uh, collaboration. That's what I'll say. That's what I'll show. Yeah. I would love to do for her. Too. I would. I don't. Mine too, definitely. Not for for me. It's not like I wouldn't necessarily want to do anything musical with her. Although that would be dope, and I wouldn't be against. It. I would love to do a visual for her, like because I think my style and feel and everything and where I'm going towards is kind of what she does. Like almost her style. It sometimes reminds me of like Dr. Seuss or something. It's crazy. It's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see you guys collaborating. I think you guys would compliment each other. Um, another good rapper. She's actually a Dallas native is uh, um, Snow the product. Actually, she's the first Hispanic female rapper. I've heard. Of so, her. yeah. She's all right. Yeah. She's not, she's not bad, but she, certain people like, for instance, I'll say Tierra, like just her lyrics and the things that she just all around, like moves me just with what she says, the content, the flow, the aesthetic, everything. It's like this whole thing. And, you know, respect to snow because I can tell that she's honed her craft and like put in time, but I'm just particular with what I like. And when I like it, I really love it. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely she's definitely good. Uh, how I describe her, I tell people if Tech Nine and Eminem had a Mexican daughter, it would be Snow the product. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm surprised you didn't pick Eminem as somebody you would like to rap with. No, he's like the king. What's wrong with Eminem? There's nothing wrong with him, and I'll tell you, I've owned a few of his albums, including Relapse, over the years. But what I will say about Eminem is he's gotten cornier it used to work in the early 2000s his corniness used to work now it's just like extremely washed up and like i don't want to hear him rapping about effing someone in the butt or whatever i don't he just like says stuff and i'm like dude like i do not feel this so (laughs) yeah i I definitely yeah i definitely say he's one of the rappers like it's funny because you'll be vibing to him and then he says something off the wall and you're like, what? But like, I, I guess that's what I uh, like. And he is funny because he is like one of the most aware artists out there. Like he actually listens to people's criticism and he has addressed that, what you just said multiple times in multiple songs. He's like, I can't win with these people because like when I get too woke, they say, oh, you're too woke. You're not cool. We want the old Slim Shady. And then when he gives people the old Slim Shady, people are like, oh, well, you're too old to be doing that shit. We want you to be woke. Okay, so I have so a comment he- to make on this. The thing mm-hmm. is, he's pandering too much. I think what he needs to do is just ask himself, what do I want to hear? Because this is the thing about art. When you're creating, and that is kind of the difference between being a soul- solely an entertainer and being an artist. An artist, you're creating something from within. So you have to nourish your inner world and use that. What Thank you. He, what he's doing is he's looking outside of himself at what everyone else wants. And that always comes off as whack. I don't care what you do. Yeah. That always people can feel that people can feel it's not authentic. I agree 100%. And that's the thing that I love about I have a, uh, a friend and I uh, at the end of this uh, interview remind me to 
give you her Facebook because I really think you guys would vibe. She owns her own record label here in Dallas. And the thing about her, she's anti-business. And I told her, I talked to her all the time. I said, yes, there is some business. It's a business you do need some kind of adjustments but her thing is she's anti-business like she likes to take artists and just leave them alone and let them be themselves and i know you uh notice this with maroon five we will never get another song about jane ever again we will never get another she will be loved because their style has changed and i like their new style but it would be nice for them to go back to their roots every once in a while you know what i mean yeah i think for me and i had that i had that album growing up but it's like i'll tell you this and this is something that i do and it, it relates to what you're saying with your friend too i really think when it comes down to it a lot of these artists quote unquote artists, they're not artists, they're entertainers, they're bought and sold and they're told what to do. So in the end of the day, when you have that, they're doing something that appeals to the masses, to people that don't necessarily always think. And the stuff can be catchy too. There could even be a song I like, but what I will say is it's not really based on anything true. It's really like telling you something. And, um, I don't know. It goes, it goes deeper than just like, it goes deeper than just, um, hitting the right notes and, you know, creating good melodies. Anyone can do all of that stuff. What makes an artist, and I'll give you an example of like someone that's iconic, Neil Young. What makes an artist like Neil Young iconic and somebody that's lasted through the ages? Um, someone like, um, I'm trying to think of another really good example. A lot of jazz, and- jazz artists like Miles Davis. There's like these people were creating Nina Simone. Okay. These people, they were creating something that they truly felt they weren't being bought and sold they were being they were saying this is me and i'm you i'm doing this i'm not gonna just do something because the masses want that yeah and i mean look at the great artists out here you have like people like michael jackson prince beyonce (laughs) elton john amazing example prince Prince amazing example You know, like uh, Michael Jackson said in his rehearsal, if you messed up once, you didn't do the song, you did the whole concert over until you got it right. Like, and it's funny because look at Beyonce, Lady Gaga, like I'm a huge Ariana Grande fan and I'm so glad she got to experience this because she was giving a interview. I don't know if you've seen it, but like modern day artists never meet each other. They send their music in and Lady Gaga was, she like Ariana Grande had texted Lady Gaga her vocals and she was like, no, honey, I wanted you to come in and actually lay them down, you know, the old school way. So, because there's something about being face to face with a person you know it's something special about that definitely and so like yeah and so like lady gaga was talking about how she had never worked with anybody or never experienced anything like this where you know lady gaga was literally hands-on with everything like she was doing camera work set design um uh, uh costume design everything she had her hand in everything and i hope she learned from it too because that's what you know real artists do like beyonce like her art is thriving 
because she does not sleep like she puts in the work and i'm pretty sure you're you can relate when you're working on a project it's like your baby that project is all that matters it's you you know what i mean so you just dive your soul into it you know definitely that's definitely true although i will say you do as you you know create you really do have to you have to have boundaries with your project too, because when you, you have to put yourself into it, but once you create it, you also have to let it go and let it be what other people say. And, and if somebody doesn't like it, you have to be okay with that. So that's like, you know, where I come from with that. And I will say this, I grew up liking, I grew up loving Beyonce and I still like a lot of her music, but I will say she's definitely a number one person. When I think of her, she's a great singer, amazing singer, but as an artist, she just doesn't have a certain thing. Mm, there's somebody like Badu, okay, that just has a real Yeah, Erica Badu is definitely, you know, I, I've met her. We actually graduated from the same high school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she, she's definitely an artist. She's definitely, or um, uh, Beyonce's sister. Salon. Uh, I prefer, uh, yeah, so I kind of prefer her yeah. music, but what I will say, and I'm not going to drop names or say who, there are people that I knew that were kind of in the music scene in LA and different things. And like, they were just saying that Solange was kind of biting. So this is the thing that really does happen. And once you know the people in these scenes, you actually see it. Solange and these bigger artists with a bigger platform, they bite the ideas from these smaller artists. Then they display it to the world as though it's very original. So that's something that I don't completely I don't know. I just, I'm just always looking for something authentic. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's two sides of that. Do I feel like you should be authentic? Yes. But somebody could come around and say this is the sincerest form of flattery is um, uh, mimicking or like, look at somebody like Drake. Drake is known for taking songs that don't really get clout and turning them into gold. Like say for instance, um, Hotline Bling was originally I Love to Cha-Cha and he took it and turned it into gold. And there's not, so is there something wrong with that? Um, I don't think there is now. Well, this is the thing. I'm not even you... saying there's anything wrong with it, but what I do want to say is you have to question this. Why are these artists so popular? Like Drake, for instance, I'm not saying that he's not good. And believe me, I've, I've listened to all the artists we're talking about. But what I will say is like their platform is not just because of their skill. It's because of their contracts. It's because of their connections. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. You know, Drake, like, you know, Drake has a whole team. Cardi B has a whole team behind her. Like Drake, like it, Drake wouldn't be Drake by himself. You know yeah, I mean? and to me, that's the industry. And I'm not necessarily about the industry. I'm about artists. So that's the difference. Yeah. Um, and as an artist, you know, I think that there, there's a certain level where like, mm, this can be controversial, but I'm going to say it. You are almost like low-key selling your soul when you're doing things that are just being told to you rather than like just doing things because that and and the other thing is there's someone like prince and i'm going to use him as a great example he never did that he never sold his soul like that he did his own thing and created something yeah. and that's an inspiration and other artists can take that path that path is there and when you see and that's why i think prince is so amazing and definitely a huge inspiration because it's like you know you don't have to be tied into this industry 
music is music is bigger than that. All these things, art, it's bigger than that. Yeah, and I mean, like another thing. Um, say, for instance, somebody that's criminally underrated is Little Richard. Like all your faves have passed through Little Richard. Like Jimi Hendrix was a backup guitarist. Um, the Beatles were backup singers um, for him. He's taught Jimi Hendrix. He's taught the Beatles. He's taught Chuck Berry. Um, Elvis Presley literally learned everything he knows, you know, from Little Richard. He's definitely the godfather of rock and roll. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely underrated, I would say. Yeah. And did you know for his birthday, Michael Jackson bought all his music and gave it to him as a gift? I never heard that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Pretty nice great, man. though. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, yeah. and I'll say this too, there's definitely a lot of sketchy stuff. And that's all I'm going to say, you know, because I don't know for sure. I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of sketchy stuff with some of this. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And this is a controversial podcast, so you can literally say whatever you want. Take a few shots of tequila if you need <laughs> to and just, you know, just let it out. For sure. I mean, that's the main thing yeah. I'll say. So I'm going to bring this up for you because of things I've seen you post and stuff. So I, I've noticed that you're a fan of the certain Nick shows. Nick shows that are um that were like iCarly like all that stuff it was all created by Schne Dan Schneider Schneider yeah and and it's funny you bring him up because uh I tell everybody my three like I'm not a podcaster I'm more of an actor this is like a hobby but my three dream uh interviews are Kiki Palmer Raven Simone and Ariana Grande and that's the first if I ever get a chance to interview her that's the first question I'm going to ask her because I actually know somebody that knows Dan Snyder uh -huh. and he's he, they said he was a monster yeah. uh, I would, I would just okay let me say that. this then because we're getting controversial or you're opening up the gates this so I want to know why they said he's a monster <laughs> but I also want to say this there are things that are considered conspiracies and I don't know. I don't know the truth. I wasn't there with Dan Schneider, but what I did find really weird and I never noticed it. Cause I'm a kid. I'm just watching this. We don't think about this as a kid. He was constantly, he had a foot fetish and he was constantly doing all these things with the actors, with their feet in the show. Um, some episode of victorious where they had to like, I don't even, they had to put hot sauce on their feet or some, some kind of, and yeah. then he was he tweeted during when the shows were still running for kids to send him photos of their feet. This is all extremely suspect. And that is the, yeah. And the crazy thing is like he even made the Amanda show and all he made everything from our childhood on Nick. Like, yeah, like he literally made my childhood what it was and it you know it hurts. But okay, like let, let's talk about the facts here. It's a fact that he was partnered with a pedophile. Uh, he had a summer cap. Um, the girl that played in Jennifer's Body, Lindsay Lohan, they would all go to the summer camp and they would say the kids that uh, would be in the pool would uh, get picked, you know, over the kids that wouldn't. And... Uh, yeah, and the guy that he was partnered with, it was a pedophile, and he did get prosecuted, 
But get this, Disney hired him to write for Sweet Life of Zachary. Dude, what? Oh my God. Yeah. And, and, and but, but, but you want to know their excuse? Sure. What was it? You, you don't have to be in contact with children to write. So even though he was a prosecuted uh, pedophile, that wasn't a conspiracy. He went to jail and everything. Because he was white and because he was somewhat talented, he would stay at home and mail the script in. And he would email the script, but he would never have contact with the kids. But even then, like, why would you want to be associated with somebody like that? And that was his partner. And I've heard that Dan Snyder has ruined kids' careers because their parents would not let them do certain things. I heard uh, he allegedly... Yeah, and there's this actor who was anonymous, but a lot of people think it's Robert Downey Jr., who literally wrote a um, thing about him saying that he was the father of uh, Jamie Lynn Spears' child. I saw this. Yeah, and and he was about to uh, be fired from Nickelodeon, but turns out the uh, owner, the new owner of Nickelodeon was just... Uh, big of an alleged uh, pedophile as he was. So he was like, yo, if you blow the whistle on me, I'll blow the whistle on you. So they uh, continued to let him work there. And it was not until, you know, his behavior got out of hand until they literally paid him $7 million to retire. Which is insane. A pedophile, pretty much. I mean, we can just assume that, right? We're assuming that the evidence is... The the thing that we're assuming based on is really there, but yeah, like alien is like somebody who, like you said, ruined kids' lives to retire. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, crazy. And, and he has ruined kids' careers because of that. And I've actually had a teacher that was similar to him, so I can imagine, you know. And like, say for instance, um, there was one girl on season one of. Uh, of um zoe 101 now for the record i never liked zoe 101 i thought it was his worst show ever besides that dan the superhero kid whatever his name is and um what the heck was that one i don't even think i saw that one yeah it it was you, you were we were growing up at the time it was a newer one but basically uh one of the uh the girl that was over sexualized that was always obsessed with uh boys um they fired her and she literally went on live because they didn't invite they had a reunion and they didn't invite her to the reunion and she said that um, she said that pretty much she was alienated from the rest of the cast. The cast members were very rude to her. They would uh, because Jamie Lynn didn't like her. They wouldn't play with her, and you know she was just alienated on set. And when Victoria Justice came in, she was her friend. But when, you know, you know how little kids are. When rumors start to spread, of course, they're going to believe the star over you. And so she wasn't her friend anymore. And there was a time when Britney literally went in her uh, dressing room and yelled at her and threatened her. And Britney Spears was Beyonce. So picture Beyonce coming in your dressing room and you're a little kid and yelling at you and like threatening you and whatnot. 
you know, and, yeah, and you know, she did a whole Facebook live about how like crappy, you know, the situation was. And I hope it's not true, but you have to look at the clues and connect the dots. And I would just love to ask Victoria Justice or you know, because um, Dan Snyder does not work for them anymore. Obviously. You know, crazy though. I've seen, but I don't know how recent it was. Photos of Ariana Grande still with Dan Schneider. And I was like, this is weird. This is yeah. weird. You know? yeah, but- yeah. And I mean, like, say, for instance, even wa- even watching the show, like, because uh, like I said, I watched Victoria's with my mom and even watching the show. Yes, uh, the jokes were funny. But I was like, this is this should not be in a child show. Now, I laugh at it because I'm an adult, but I would never want my kids to hear some of the jokes that were on iCarly or on uh, Victorious, you know. So this is my thing about that. And my boyfriend and I, we've been talking about this recently about Dan Schneider. So it's funny that we're talking about it on this now Um, with in the shows. I think back to like all that and Amanda show. I feel like he slowly took more and more liberties to do like the kind of stuff that he eventually did on like victorious or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you watch the shows over the trajectory of time, it's like, he gets more and more open about like sexualizing kids and like bringing in this creepy element. Yeah. And I mean, like, look at, um, Amanda Bynes like yes I was gonna bring that up. That's so funny. She said so many times in so many ways that he was a, huge pedophile and she also uh her yeah well she did it in code and like she wrote a a letter and there was few letters that were capitalized and somebody actually got it and she liked the comment but like say for instance uh she her friend leaked a phone call that she said and she said sometimes I would never do this but sometimes I would just want to and remind you Amanda Bynes was a very beautiful young girl and she she said sometimes I just want to uh, strip for my dad and lure him in didn't kill him now let's throw away the killing part the fact in her mind to strip for her father is suspect to me right she's been you know, conditioned by a pedophile in yeah. A way. yeah and it's so sad because she was such a happy girl i was looking at a old interview she was so smart and happy and just legit funny and to have like creeps like that in the industry that's why raymond simone said until my kid is 18 he will not be working i'm sorry yeah, because you know what? When you're a kid, you just don't know. You don't know the boundaries. And and that's why kids get taken advantage of. And that's why people like Schneider go into the industry. They don't just go in because they like writing or something. They go in because they see they can use the talent they have to get weird kind of, you know, perversion um, satisfied. So I agree with the thing about Amanda Bynes, though. I was thinking about it. I'm like, her mental health has pretty much been destroyed. I'm pretty sure by that experience, whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I'm sure you've heard about the like mind control and how the whole, basically all the great 70s singers are like pretty much experiments that, you know, didn't work out. 
You know, like you don't want to believe it, but when you think about it, wait, uh, Jim- tell me about that. I'm curious. Like MK okay. Ultra, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So there's a uh, well. First of all, my mom was living, and she said there would be like professional people handing out. Uh, I think it was Orange Sunshine they called it. Like it was a uh, LSD was made in a government. My friend is a scientist. She makes it herself sometimes for recreational reasons. And yeah. uh, and you know like like when you put the cl- like one and two together, Jim Morrison was very untalented when you think about it like seriously like if you look at him as like an actual singer he was horrible and um the thing that i find funny is jim morrison uh janice joplin uh jimi hendrix all of their parents were in the military and they all were neighbors. The mamas and the papas, they all stayed in the same community. These are people and that it, I love too so much. The mamas and the papas I listened to a lot growing up. So Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like they were experiments because they all had they all died like within the same time frame. Like what right one after another as if they were to say okay we're done with them you know what i mean like they said the hippie movement was a creation that failed well what do you think that their motive was behind that if you had to assume i would say control i I would say it was a experiment to see okay how can we control the masses or how can we because uh my mom was saying that hippies weren't so much as black kids or poor people hippies were the rich people's kids that was sick of their racist parents bullshit you know those were the hippies you know so uh i believe it definitely was an experiment if not mind control to see what would happen you know and they were just like it it obviously didn't work because they killed off all the leaders and you know they just forgot about it and i mean it's alive and well still today if not a subculture i mean just look at you you know i mean (laughs) it's fucking hilarious well i wouldn't say that i've had mind control but um well well, you are definitely a spiritual person you definitely subscribe to some sort of like hippie live love laugh uh i mean i i will say that i believe in god that is my spirituality for sure and i was raised catholic but um yeah i'm i'm definitely like yeah, my spirituality is personal to me. And a lot of things that I've studied in scriptures and stuff, I have interpreted for myself. I prefer not to have a church interpret something for me because that's a man. That's a person. That's well, not- I mean, in the Bible, it tells you to do that in the first place. You know what I mean? Yes, it does. I, I And I picked up on all those things, you know, growing up. So, yeah. And it's funny you believe in God. And I have friends of all different religions and um, the only thing I can't understand is the Egyptian gods, because God kind of won that war a little bit. Uh-huh. And I don't mean to turn this into a whole different podcast, but we <laughs> know Egyptian gods are real. We know Moses and Ramses actually happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, my friend, he believes in Egyptian gods, but I was like, when the Egyptians turned their sticks into snakes... God's snake ate up theirs. 
So why would you subscribe to a religion when God overpowered it? You know, like, don't get me wrong. The Egyptians definitely had satanic counsel. They definitely were um, some very interesting, powerful, smart people. But, you know, God won that war. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you this. It's something I recently learned about them, and it just speaks on their society. The first ever recorder, recorded worker strike was in the Egyptian civilization um, because the workers weren't paid with money. They were paid with grain, and their grain was not coming in, quote unquote. No, it was coming in. The middle tier people, you know, the people between the elites and between the workers, they were embezzling the, the grain or whatever, essentially, or the, the resources. And so the workers went four weeks without grain and they finally were like, we've had it. And they went and they did a protest in that time. And the crazy thing is that Egyptian leaders were thought to be gods. So you would never think to protest them, but it just shows that like humans will always think outside of programming um, when they're put in the position to yeah and i mean i mean literally ramses was the morning star like of course they literally thought they they literally pretty much might as well would have been you know god and uh that's why when uh moses came back ramses was like it's okay if you killed that dude dude like I'm me. Like, if I say it's okay, it's okay. But he was like, nah, dude, that's not, you know, okay. And, you know, I know it did hurt Ramsey's feeling when Moses did rebel. And, um, you know, I know it did hurt him when his son died. But I feel like um, the reason why he didn't surrender is, be well, he surrendered. But I feel like the reason why he went ahead uh, into going to war with God is because the devil was in his ear because he will talk to you like really you're the morning star and you're gonna let some fake god beat you you know so i you know i definitely feel like they were misguided and i love egyptian culture it's a beautiful culture they were definitely smart people but they weren't the best people you know what i mean yeah and the thing is i'll just say this humanity is just overall and this and my beliefs are like I don't know. It's hard to put it in one sentence, but I will say that like humanity is just constantly evolving. So Egyptian civilization is just one aspect of humanity that we're all involved in. You know, we all have the bad within us and the good, you know, it's just, what, what do we choose to feed into? What do we, what do we choose to strengthen? Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. There's some guy out my window. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear that. It's very loud. Um, yeah. But, 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 yeah. but I mean, I mean, we evolved, but at the end of the day, like the Bible says, nothing new under the sun, just like they were doing in Egyptian time, the government is doing with us now. Like, look at... Uh, That's why quote, I brought up the worker strike, yeah. Yeah, like, like look at the air quote, I, I say this loosely, fireworks that went off in Lebanon, you know. Yeah. Of, of course, those weren't actual fireworks. We're not right. stupid, but, you know for it it really touched me because our government is no better like it could have happened anywhere in the world you know yep exactly and that's why an injustice some an injustice one place you know it just it enables like you're saying it really enables an injustice anywhere yeah. so and, and i mean to uh not to sound cliche but i think 
you're definitely a great person. You're definitely on the right track. And I feel like we need to be the change that we want to see. I agree. And I think it all, it's about, this is actually where I really want to go with my messages and what I want to spread or what I want to share just to empower people. Cause this is the thing. It's interesting, right? I said, I believe in God. And so there's like a dichotomy here almost. It's like, I believe in a higher power. Okay. And I believe in the love of that. I believe it's a benevolent and loving power. But what I will also say is that in, in all of us lives part of that, you know, cause we're all connected and we're all connected to that. And I think the thing is to empower every person because if every person's empowered, then we can do good. But I think, and it does kind of relate to the Bible in a way, because it's like the false idols, you know, that's kind of what happens in this society. And that's what I've been realizing more and more. That's about people's ego. People get trapped in that. And um, I think if everybody would become more aware of the fact that like, no, you don't need to look for anyone else just look inside of yourself and it's all there. Everything's there. Everything you need is there. And, and you can find God there too. Cause God is always within you as well as like, just like beyond you. So, and that's just my feeling, you know, but I really want to speak on through my art to just empower people to know that they, to know that they don't, need to look to all these kind of like false idols of our society, but that they can look to themselves um, and to God as well, in a sense, but not in like a religious sense, um, in a more personal way. Yeah. And to piggyback off of what you just said, uh, the world was created. What people don't know is how powerful they really are. Like our words are spells, like our words are powerful. The world was created by words for crying out loud. So it makes sense that our words and God is in us. So our words are powerful as well. And I accidentally gave a good example. I said, my wall is white and I can say my wall is red and I will speak that into existence. Now I might have to go to Home Depot and get some red paint, but at the end of the day, my wall will be red, which means faith without words is dead yes we can speak things into existence but we have to also work towards those things and treat people how you want to be treated you know um because whatever you put into the world you get back out like you reap what you sow you can't plant a peach tree and be like okay i'm having apples today you know like you uh definitely should treat people how you want to be treated and continue to put put good energy out so you can have that. And that's something that I've been working on myself. So. Yeah. And you know, we all are myself included. And, and that is the thing too, when it comes to like these darker forces, you know, those things, those things are always going to be easier in a way, but in the end you can feel that it's not the right thing. You can feel just doing good and doing good by other people and doing good by yourself. It just, it feels good. And I think it's not, it really is actually natural to humans, but we're programmed to do things backwards or to do things in a reverse way that we don't need to, you know, we can. And I think this is something that I've been thinking about recently too. Um, go and actually I, if you ever look her up on Instagram, she's a friend of mine, Whitney McGuire. She's a lawyer and activist and a creative too. She's really cool. Um, but she said something, um, and it really inspired me. It was just basically like, in order to live in the world that we want, we have to imagine what that is. We have to use our imaginations. And so it's like, a lot of times we're taught like imagining and stuff. That's just, you're just thinking of fake things, but no, 
it's just as you're saying about your word, but it's also about your thoughts. And, and in, in order to have a better world, we have to imagine what that is. And we have to really believe that that can be possible despite these other forces and stuff that they don't want that because it, it doesn't serve them. And then you don't care about the whole of humanity. They care more about themselves, you know, and they're working from that lower place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, you, uh, when I first reached out to you, you asked me, um, why I, uh, you know, why I, uh, contacted you and well, one of the reasons why I contacted you is because you're extremely attractive. And I was like, Ooh, I want to talk to her. I want to see what she's about. And then I saw your work and I became a fan of your work. I was like, Oh my God, not only is she hot as hell, but she's as talented as hell too. You know, so I was like, I definitely got to get her on the show now. So that's the reason why I uh, wanted to interview you. Thank you. you. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I kind of knew why you first contacted me. And that's why I asked you, what did you want to interview me about? Because I I wasn't aware that you'd really seen my work. Um, And I will say this, you know, as a woman, of course, um, I want to it's it's nice to be attractive. And, um, you know, I'm, and I think every human, you know, we should take care of our vessel and we should, you know, treat that well. And, and, and we can, you know, um, express ourselves through that and enjoy that. But I also just, well, 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 hold on, hold on. You shouldn't, uh, even though you were right. Okay. Even (laughs) though you were right, you shouldn't assume things. Well, right, like, like you should deserve, but you were right. <laughs> I didn't act based on assumption because I still gave it a chance. So, therefore, I'm only doing, I mean, and I'm just speaking on like my initial reaction. And I will also say, I, as a woman, I have many, many times been approached for that first in my art second. And, you know, and it, it can be really disheartening, but. I don't make art for the validation. I make it for myself and hopefully other people can enjoy it, you know, and as I pour into it and progress, you know, hopefully that'll grow. Um, But what I was also going to say on a side note to this is I'm also a graphic designer and on my Instagrams, I have an Instagram for my graphic design work. I do a lot of logos and stuff. Every con and I don't say anything about my gender. I don't have any photos of me, every comment on there and DM I've gone from other designers who were mostly men. They've all thought I was a guy. They assumed that I was a guy because they just liked my work. And that's the thing. Like, I think there's always an assumption that like good work and certain things. And this is just coming from my perspective, right? As a woman. And I'm not doing it. I don't bash men. I don't, I love, you know, everyone, men, women, whatever. You know, I love humans. It's not about these things. But as a woman, I will say that it has been a struggle at times to be recognized for what I do first before my um vessel i guess yeah i understand i understand completely but you are an amazing you are an amazing artist though and i'm glad even though it took that to get me to see you i'm I'm glad that I actually looked up some of your work and I would love to collaborate you with you on something one day. I don't know what it is. Maybe it would be your cartoon, your animation cartoon or whatever, but I would definitely like to collab with you in some form. I feel like we would mesh well together if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm down. I'm always down to collaborate with other creators. That's like definitely one of the most fun things to do um as an artist 
Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm actually working on an album too, and I don't know if you would want to sing on it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely working on an album with everybody that I've interviewed. Well, so, yeah, there's that too. I'll definitely lend some vocals and I'll send you the song that I'm working on when I record it. I'm going to put that out in the next month or two. And so you can decide then. And if you don't, I, I will say this. So this is just a little side note, and I know we're kind of wrapping it up. Growing up, I was always told that I was a bad singer. And so I internalized that. But my grandmother is, and their singing runs in my family. My grandmother, she actually used to sing at the ballpark for like in Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo, New York. She would sing the national anthem there and stuff like that. She's an amazing singer. And when I started taking some vocal lessons and I just thought I was so bad, my teacher was like, you have great pitch. You have like, you know, and I realized like, yeah, I actually can sing i was just mentally i was telling myself i couldn't for so long i never even let myself try so that's where like some of the vulnerability comes from but i'm working past that you should and then since you won't sing i guess i will have you ever heard of a game called song association no i haven't basically you're going to give me a word and i have to sing a song with the word in the song or in the chorus or somewhere in there okay okay all right i'm ready um banana um banana nana fofana fee five fofana um i don't know the name of the song but uh it's from um Oh, yeah, the name game. It's uh, from uh, American Horror Story, but it's a name game. Yeah, that was from our childhood, too. That's actually funny. That is the song that I kind of thought of after I said that word. Um, yeah. Bluebird. Um, let's see. These are oddly specific, so I could be a little less specific. I guess. Oh, oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, let's see, bluebirds smiling at me, nothing but bluebirds, all I see, blue skies. I don't know who sings it, but there's a bluebirds in there, so. Nice. Yes, there is. Um, flower. (laughs) I'm just like literally outside just like looking at stuff like, okay, use this word. Um, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything is what I feel when what I thought when we're together. Da, 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 da. I think that has flower in it. That's funny. Well, yeah. maybe it does. Um, I can keep going if you want me to. Yeah, do uh, five more. Okay, cat. Um, cat. Uh, let's see. Uh, have you been to the Cat Scratch Club? That's where I go. I dance. They used to tie you up. It's a living. I didn't recognize you without the handcuffs. Uh, light my candle from rent. Oh, I've never. I actually haven't seen that movie. I always wanted to. It's a great um, musical theater show. You should. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Wind. Wind. Um, you are the wind beneath my wing, I guess. Yeah. 
Butterfly. Um, butterflies, butterflies. Um, oh shoot, I think you got me on this one. Um, really? Let's see. Yeah, you got me. I got you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a song called Butterfly Kisses. It's on the radio in the 90s, but I don't uh, know. Yeah, I, I remember. Or uh, Butterfly Fly Away from Hannah Montana. I should have said that one. I wasn't thinking. Oh, I don't remember that. I did actually watch that show back in the day. For sure. Yeah, it was from the Hannah Montana movie. She sang it with Dilla Ray Cyrus. Butterfly Fly Away. Yeah. Okay. I, didn't, I don't know if I saw the movie. Yeah, but I know Butterfly Kisses, though. That's a gospel song. Is it? Okay. Mm. Two more. Mm. Motorcycle. I'm not even going to attempt that one. I don't know <laughs> anything with a motorcycle in it. Sock. Sock. Uh, g- give me another one. Give me one more. Mm. Apple. Apple. Um. Uh. Once there was a little old ram trying to put a hole in the dam. Anyone knows a ram can't put a hole in the dam because he got. High hopes. I know Apple is in there. Interesting. Yeah. Surprised too, Steve. You wonder because that's like the first thing that I thought of. Yeah, you can tell I'm not a Stevie. I mean, I'm a Stevie fan, but you can tell my uh, my uh, Stevie songs are very selective. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Well, if you haven't listened to Inner Visions, I would definitely recommend listening to that. And the first, the title track, Inner Visions. Yeah. That's a very beautiful song. I definitely will. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm so glad I finally got you on the show. And I can't wait to work with you, man. It's been a pleasure. It really uh, went left. I did not expect to talk about what we did, but I'm glad we (laughs) did. Yeah, it was good. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your patience. Um, unfortunately I've had just some issues actually with a client that has honestly like tied up a lot of my time, but finally finishing up with that. So thanks for your patience and thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.